and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness there where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a, with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. All right. Now, kids, any kids who are younger than year one, I'll say, if you can colour one of these in for me and you can tell me something about the, what we've read today in the Bible, if you can tell me something about what we just read or about what I say now, then I've got a special treat for you. And look, I'll show you. You might have to get your parents to help you, but you fold along these lines. And look, there's Jesus. There's a storm. And then, oh, there's Jesus. And it's all calm. Okay, so that's the little trick with that one. Now, for any kids who are kind of older than year one, one of these, if you can fill that out for me and uh, bring it to me at the end, I've got a treat for you. Alrighty. And I do have treats from last week for those who didn't get one, so I know who you are. Come and see me. Well, is anyone here familiar with Harry Potter? Has anyone read the books or watched the movies? It's about a young wizard and he goes off to a wizarding school. Now, I wonder, can anyone here tell me who their favourite character is? Who's got a favourite Harry Potter character? Giselle. Hermione. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Luther. Ron, I like Ron. He sticks his foot in it all the time. He reminds me of me. Anyone else? Oh, we got one more. Micah? Hagrid and Joey? Dumbledore. Oh, here we got Dumbledore. Well, Dumbledore is my favourite. So Dumbledore, for those who don't know, is the headmaster of Hogwarts School. 
He's this wise and powerful old wizard. And uh, he's got so much power and authority that he could be terrifying. And he speaks with incredible authority and he's got this incredible power to back it up. He's one of the most powerful wizards alive. But the thing with Dumbledore is he's so caring and trustworthy and he's so kind and everything he does is for the good of those around him. He's the kind of person who, if you were with Dumbledore, you'd always feel safe, you'd always feel secure and you'd always feel comforted because you know that his authority, his power is for good. Well, it just so happens that J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, actually based Dumbledore on someone. Anyone want to guess? You can call this one out. Jesus, that's right. J.K. Rowling actually based the character of Dumbledore off Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate authority to believe in. Jesus is the one whose power is the greatest good for those around him. Jesus is the most caring, the most kind, the most trustworthy human who ever lived. And when we're with Jesus on his team, we can feel truly safe. We can listen to him and trust him fully. Now Jesus uh, spoke with an incredible authority. And at the end of his sermon, we read here in uh, our first verse at the end of chapter 7, that when Jesus finished saying these things, when he finished his sermon, the crowds were just amazed at his teaching. And they're amazed because he taught as someone who had authority, not like the other teachers of the law. You see, Jesus spoke like nobody else. Jesus spoke like he had the authority of God himself. But does he have the authority to back it up? Can he speak this way? Is his authority really good? See, if Jesus is going to talk with such authority, he needs to back it up with actions that prove his authority. And that's exactly what Jesus does here in what we just read. Straight after Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew gives us a mountain of evidence for Jesus' authority. And these examples show that Jesus' authority is the real deal. But he actually also shows us that Jesus' authority is authority to believe in. Authority to believe in and authority, our first point, unlimited. Have a look at chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy, that's a horrible skin disease, guys, and you get big sores and all your skin would rot away and big holes and pus and fingers and teeth would fall off and toes, it was awful. A man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And see there, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. See, with Jesus, we're not talking some dodgy televangelist or snake oil salesman. We're not talking party tricks or smoke and mirrors. We're not talking paid actors in wheelchairs who suddenly jump up and proclaim that they're healed. 
No, we're talking the real deal. We're talking genuine healing. And we're also not talking that Jesus had just discovered some amazing, you know, sort of advanced medicine that was way ahead of his time, that he was able to, you know, he went off to India and learned how to heal people with medicines. No. These people instantly got better. We're talking complete, full, undeniable, right there in front of everyone's eyes, instant healing. We're talking a man with leprosy, with awful skin, with holes, with toes, with fingers and teeth missing, instantly having his skin and his flesh and his fingers and his toes and his teeth grow back right in front of everyone. We're talking a guy here, the centurion's servant, who'd been on his deathbed maybe for a little while, maybe for a long time. Not just slowly recovering, but suddenly jumping up and getting back to work. We're talking a lady who had a fever so bad and was feeling so sick she couldn't get out of bed. Suddenly feeling so good instantly that what does she do? She jumps up and starts cooking to feed a group of people the size of a football team. So you don't normally do that when you slowly recover from being sick. No, we're talking instant healing. And then when the crowds came to Jesus. And you just imagine what, you know, there's no healthcare in Jesus' day. You can just imagine the illness and the sickness and the injury and the things that people lived with every single day. All the things that we have plus more. Depression, dementia, chickenpox, malaria, cancer, syphilis, typhoid, diabetes, measles, tumours, broken bones, amputations, open wounds, infections. All the kind of diseases and things that we have today plus more. And that day, not a single sick or suffering person who came to Jesus, not a single one went home sick. Not a single one went home hurting or in pain or unwell. Every single one of them went home 100% better. And they didn't go home with medicine that Jesus told them to take. They didn't go home with exercises to do. They just went home perfectly well. Now today, a lot of people are sceptical. And I think probably quite a few of us are probably sceptical about this. A lot of us think, you know, how could he have done these miracles? It doesn't make sense. A lot of people dispute that Jesus could have done these miracles. But the amazing thing is that in Jesus' day, nobody disputed Jesus' miracles. Even Jesus' enemies who hated him, the ones who ended up killing him, having him killed, even they didn't dispute Jesus' miracles. Even they actually confirmed that he had done them. You see, back then, uh, living in uh, Palestine is a little bit like living in Adelaide. In Adelaide, there's kind of, you know, the rest of the world, there's sort of six degrees of separation, right? In Adelaide, there's kind of one degree of separation. Everyone knows someone who knows, you know, like... And so if you were living in Palestine in Jesus' day, you would have known someone who Jesus had healed. You would have had a neighbour, a family member, a friend. The beggar down the street that you had seen every day of his life with shriveled up legs who could never stand up. You would have then seen him running around with 
full normal legs. You would have seen your, your relative, your grandma, your cousin, your brother, who had had some debilitating illness, suddenly just fine and normal and healthy. See, back in Jesus' day, these everybody knew that Jesus was healing people. No one could deny that Jesus was healing people. And it didn't happen in a back room. It didn't happen on some stage with, you know, smoke and mirrors. It happened out in the middle of the street. It happened out in the middle of the crowds. And it happened to probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people on many, many occasions. And these amazing miracles point to Jesus' unlimited authority. And see, this unlimited authority of Jesus, it leads us to ask exactly the question that then Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, or asked each other in the boat. Have a look at verse 24. Well, they were out on the lake and suddenly a furious storm came up. The waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was doing what Jesus does best and he was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him. And now remember the disciples... Half of these guys are career sailors. They're fishermen. If they're panicking, you know this is a bad storm. And they go to Jesus and they wake him up and they say, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Well, what kind of man is Jesus? What kind of man can make people better in an instant? What kind of man can just speak and tissue and sinew and muscle and flesh just grows back? What kind of man can cast out demons? What kind of man can control the wind and the sea just by speaking. And what kind of man has this kind of power and authority? Well, the man who is God. See, the reason why Jesus can make people better in an instant is because Jesus is the one who made people in the first place. And the reason why Jesus can cast demons out of people is because Jesus is the one that cast the demons out of heaven when they rebelled. Jesus, the reason why Jesus can control the sea and the wind and the waves just by speaking is because Jesus is the one that created the sea and the wind and the waves just by speaking. Jesus is God. And that is why Jesus has unlimited authority. Well, this past week, uh, one of my children was being naughty. Hard to believe, I know. And uh, I was really struggling to be patient with them. And I remember just thinking to myself, I, just, I felt like booting them into next week. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, I don't understand how God hasn't just destroyed us all. Have you ever thought that? I can't fathom how God could be so incredibly patient with me, with us. I mean, if I had been God and I had created, you know, a whole universe for people and then I'd created these people and 
And then all of a sudden, these puny, insignificant little peep squeaks just suddenly all revolt against me. And half of them go around pretending I don't exist. The other half go around waving their fists at me and cursing me. And all of them do exactly the opposite of what I've told them to. Man, if that was me, they'd be gone. I'd crush them in an instant. I'd drop kick them into a black hole. I'd probably make them just... Then I'd go and have a cold drink and do something else. See, this is where God is so different from us. This is where God is so incredibly God-like. Because God doesn't destroy us. He doesn't dropkick us into a black hole. He shows incredible mercy and patience and kindness. Incredible love, incredible grace. And we see it here in Jesus. Because Jesus had every right to use his authority to destroy us. He could have come to dropkick us. He could have come to crush us. But instead, Jesus' authority is for our good. He came for our good. Point three. Verse 16. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Now here, this is a quote uh, from the Old Testament written about 700 years before Jesus. And as Matthew is writing and he's telling us what happened here, he actually kind of says, he actually says, well, this that we see happening, we see what we see Jesus doing here is actually something that God wrote about through the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before. And, and, and this part, this quote, is from Isaiah chapter 53. Now I reckon most of you kids will know Isaiah 53. Let me see. If you know this, I want you to keep, to, to keep going for me. You ready? We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned from his own way. But the Lord has laid on him... The iniquity of us all. That's right. See, what Matthew's saying here is he's saying that all of this shows who Jesus is. Jesus' authority and what he's come to do shows that he is the person that God had promised would come hundreds and even thousands of years earlier. And he didn't come to blow us to smithereens. He didn't come to destroy us. He didn't. He came to heal us. He didn't come to crush us. He came to be crushed for us. See, if we read Isaiah 53, we see that Jesus is the man who takes away sin. Have a listen. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, he 
was cut off from the land of the living. For our transgression, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and buried in his death. It was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquity. See, Jesus, who is God, with all the power and the authority of God, it could be terrifying that he came to us. But it's not. Because he didn't come to destroy us, he came to heal us. He didn't come to judge us, he came to cleanse us. He didn't come to condemn us, but he came to forgive us. And he didn't come to make us suffer, he came to suffer for us in our place. See, Jesus healed their sickness, Matthew says, to show that he had come to take away our greatest sickness of sin. Jesus' authority is for our good. And no Dumbledore, no other person, real or imaginary, can even come close to how powerful Jesus is. No person could ever come close to how good Jesus is. And no person could ever make us feel as secure and safe and comfortable as Jesus does. Because Jesus' authority, point four, drives away fear. Have a look again at verse five. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this he was amazed and said to those following him. Truly I tell you I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place in the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. See, the centurion came to Jesus he knew Jesus' power and authority. He knew that Jesus' authority was unlimited. He knew that Jesus' authority was for our good. And so he knew that he had no need to be afraid for his servant because he knew Jesus would heal him. But then the disciples, they didn't get it. Verse 24 when the storm came up on the, light, on the lake, the disciples woke Jesus saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. What did Jesus say? 
you of little faith, why are you so afraid? See, when we realize that Jesus is God and that he's come to save us, that his power and authority are unlimited and for our good, and when we realize that he is on our team, then we realize there's nothing to fear. See, even though lepers weren't allowed to go near anyone, that leper was not afraid to go up to Jesus and ask to be healed because he knew that Jesus would be willing. And even though the centurion's servant was very sick and very far away from Jesus, he wasn't afraid because he knew that Jesus could and would heal his friend. And even though the waves were crashing over the boat and the boat was rocking all around, the disciples didn't need to be afraid because Jesus wasn't about to let them drown. Now, Kerry asked a great question before. What are you afraid of? And, you know, I think we're all afraid of things, if we're honest. She mentioned a few. Loss, rejection, pain, embarrassment, sickness, death, evil, hard times. There are lots of things that we're afraid of. But when we're with Team Jesus, with his authority for our good, we don't need to be afraid. We are safe and secure in him. We can trust Jesus without fear because his unlimited authority is for our good. Now, does that mean that there are no hard times for Jesus' people? Does it mean that Jesus will heal all our sicknesses? Does it mean he won't let anything bad or hard or painful or embarrassing or awkward or costly happen to us? No. And those things that Jesus did were like a little sign pointing to what will happen when he comes back. A little sign showing us his power and authority and we've got to wait till he returns so we get to enjoy that in full. No, Jesus doesn't mean pain-free, struggle-free, sickness-free, sadness-free life. Actually, notice here in verse 18 to 20 what Jesus said to a few men who wanted to follow him. What Jesus said to them was basically Jesus saying, hang on, if you follow me, it will be hard. It will be costly. It will be uncomfortable. It will be tiring. And do you notice what Jesus did straight after telling these men what it was going to be like to follow him? He took his disciples who do follow him and where did he take them? Straight into a dirty big storm. See, being on Jesus' team doesn't mean that we won't go through storm or two or twenty or a hundred. But it does mean that Jesus is with us. It does mean that his unlimited authority and power are for our good. And we don't need to be afraid. Jesus' authority is authority to believe in. His authority is authority for our good. His authority is unlimited. His authority drives away fear because Jesus is God come to save us. Do you believe it? Do not fear. Thank you, Scott.
Well, isn't it wonderfully liberating that we can trust and believe in God's ultimate authority? Now, maybe some of your questions have uh, popped up from what you've heard this morning. Hold on to those because after this next song, we're going to get Scott back up and have a bit of question and answer, se answer 